Hello and welcome to the Weekly Watch podcast series. I'm Jim McCormick, Global Head of Desk Strategy at NatWest Markets. This series helps you cut through the noise in global financial markets with a quick take on the upcoming trends to watch. So this week I wanted to address the theme of COVID differentiation as I think it's going to be quite important over the coming winter months. We did publish a, a new global COVID monitor on Friday and there are two key takeaways for me. Firstly, COVID cases are clearly rising again, especially in Europe and the US. But even so, governments are very reluctant to return to the strict lockdowns seen last spring. And if this is the case, then virus management, both past and present, will play a big role in both growth and market performance in the coming months. Obviously, the the case of good COVID management has been most visible in Asia, something we've been talking about for quite some time. Case and mortality rate, rates remain very low, and the growth dividends from that strong COVID management are becoming a lot more visible. Last week, our bullish Asian currency basket hit a new cycle high, and interestingly, Asian policymakers are starting to grow a little bit wary about the speed of currency appreciation. Um, over the weekend, for instance, China removed the tax on shorting its currency. I think the trouble for Asian policymakers here is that currency fundamentals are just overwhelmingly positive. So the best uh, they can do is probably to slow down the appreciation. And the evidence uh, so far this morning is that they've barely been able to manage that. In Europe, COVID differentiation is also becoming more visible. So countries like Germany, Norway, and Italy have all managed their second waves better. The UK, France, and Spain have done a less good job. And this contrast between Italy and the UK was very much on display last week. In terms of the cases, Italy's current trend is about half of the peak last spring. The UK trend is now double uh, what we saw back in March and April. As for growth, Italy's August industrial production level was above the Q4 2019 baseline for the first time, having been as much as 50% below just a few months ago. UK production is still 7% below. And the outlooks for Italy and the UK are also diverging. For Italy, it's a story of better growth, more fiscal support coming, and a benign political backdrop. We've been bullish BTPs for some time now and remain so even as yields touched record lows last week. For the UK, you have an economy where growth was already stalling in late summer, Now the surge in COVID cases is leading to stricter lockdowns, something we'll hear more about later on today. And of course, the uncertainty around the Brexit trade deal is likely to be an issue into the end of the year. Uh, There will be a flurry of diplomacy uh, heading into this Thursday's EU summit, but any deal breakthrough seems unlikely. Australia has been rallying on hopes of a deal. Uh, We think this rally is premature. And of course, COVID mismanagement has also been a big factor in the U.S. presidential election. With just 22 days to go, Republican odds are fading fast. So the Trump probability in the 538 election model uh, is down to 14 percent. The probability of the Republicans holding the Senate is down to 31 percent. Both are election cycle lows. As markets begin to make a Democratic sweep their base case, expectations for a huge fiscal stimulus at the start of next year are growing. Uh, We did pencil in some preliminary numbers uh, for next year, and they do point to further significant steepening of the U.S. curve. The The metric that struck me most was Treasury bond issuance net of Federal Reserve buying. 
This number was about 980 billion in 2019. It looks to be 1.1 trillion this year, mainly due to front loading of quantitative easing by the Fed. Uh, that number next year is likely to be more than $3.5 trillion. Uh, that's a lot of bonds for the private sector to digest. So let me finish this week with two observations from last week. Firstly, Australia is now the first country to implement fiscal forward guidance. This is a groundbreaking move. They committed to keep fiscal policy easy until unemployment reached a certain level. Um, this shows how far the pendulum has swung from monetary to fiscal dominance over the course of 2020. Second observation is the non-U.S. trade deficit hit a new record high in August and has more than doubled during Trump's presidency. This is one of many arguments that we see for continued dollar weakness into next year. As far as this week, it's quiet on the data front, but not necessarily quiet. A few things I'd point out. Firstly, tomorrow we kick off the Q3 earnings season in the U.S., Expectations are for a 21% year-on-year decline. Uh, it would be the sixth decline in seven quarters, and yet the S&P 500 index is still just 3% off of record highs. China reports September exports, and Singapore will be the first country to report Q3 GDP. Expect both numbers to be relatively strong. And interestingly, as Asian central banks try to slow currency appreciation, the U.S. Treasury is scheduled to release its currency manipulation report later on this week. Two countries tick all three criteria for currency manipulation, which is Switzerland and Vietnam. Singapore ticks two boxes. Uh, inevitably, China will be a big focus, but under Treasury's own criteria, it is not a currency manipulator, even with its actions over this past weekend. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Weekly Watch, and please do subscribe to our channel to get future episodes. We also encourage you to explore more of our content on our website and social media channels. Speak to you again soon.